No, I didn't actually attempt. Um, I haven't gotten to that point, I guess. The courage, the strength that it takes to be open and honest about this. Instead of just, you know, blaming myself that he's not here anymore. Uh, I was prepared to shoot myself. And I called my family to sort of say goodbye. To be honest, I was scared reaching out for help because I was like, this could totally ruin my career. Somebody to have a more proactive approach and that he was coming to me to be that person. They found him and he committed suicide. I just started screaming. I just felt responsible. Good morning, everybody. I am Tim Lawson, host and founder of the One Too Many Veterans Suicide Podcast and Project. It is Monday, and I'm here to share another interview with you. This is an interview that uh, that I did back in the original set of recordings earlier this year. It's with my friend Corey. Uh, Corey was a uh, backer of the Kickstarter project, and then. He helped connect me with a few speaking opportunities, and uh, you know we've been in, we've been engaging ever since. And this is a really good conversation to to look at and think about. And you know, and so you know, one of the objectives of the One Too Many project is to get people to start talking about this problem more openly, and you know, and pinpointing things that we think are wrong, and talking about what we think may be right, and. While Corey doesn't share a personal story, uh, he definitely provides insight on investigations that he did uh, when he was in, and he also uh, t- you know talks about the veteran space in general and what he's observed, how he feels, and I wanted to share this conversation. I'm really glad that I recorded it because I wanted to share this conversation now uh, that we've been through about a dozen and a half stories. You know what this conversation looks like. What uh, you know, and this is a discussion that you can be having with your friends and family as well regarding the issue. And you know, we can start changing the conversation and and having it with more people. So this is my this is my friend uh, Corey talking about veteran suicide and mental and emotional health in the in the veteran space i'm passionate about um what you're what you're doing um i think you probably gleaned from some of my posts that uh, you know i have a number of a lot of experience in dealing with suicide veteran suicide yeah you know i i just i believe in it you know i believe exactly what you say i believe um I can tell you that it's been about two years, a little over two years, since I retired from the Air Force, and I've been doing much of the same processes that any other veteran would do, and, and that, you know, you're doing your VA, uh, you know, appointments, uh, your assessments, all the things that one would do. In addition, you know, I've worked in the veteran space now for a couple of years, um, and, been you know pretty involved with the Wounded Warrior Project, pretty involved with uh, on the behavioral health side uh, of, of things, um, and it's the peer to peer and what, what's called peer to peer coaching, um, the non clinical, non medical type of coaching, yeah, uh, is really starting to gain a foothold in, in, on the corporate side uh, of, of America. 
and, and in the uh, what's called the rural mental health um, uh, arena. Sure. And, and so, and it's re- you know, in those cases, I mean, it's more of a, even though it's not clinical, non medical, what it what it is is it's it's a veteran, it's a uh, a spouse of a veteran, yeah. uh, it's someone who uh, can relate. And, and I think, by and large, um, veterans like yourself and I, uh, we don't necessarily need to have that clinical person to say, you know what, you've got a problem, you know, because we know, or in the past, we've we've experienced problems, and it's maybe just, you know, I equated it to, I went to a Project Odyssey for a week with Wounded Warrior Project, you know, and after having retired for two years, it was just a sense of calmness being in a room with 15 other vets. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not trying to plug, you know, Wounded Warrior Project, but I'm just sure. saying it's, it's just that, you know, it, it's, it's the feeling of being in a room with people who maybe have had similar thoughts or experienced similar things. Yeah. You know, and I, I just think that that's really the way ahead. You know, I've talked to some other folks about, you know, you know, they're, they're some, some uh, behavioral health folks uh, about their thoughts. And, and, you know, they're, they're really in line with the, what you and I are thinking. It's just a matter of having the, you know, having the influence and action to, to really take it to the, to the next level, you know. Yeah. Things, things like uh, Team RWB and Rubicon, those are great, great initiatives. And I think they kind of skirt around the initiative, meaning, you know, you bring people together. You're, um, you know, let's say people are not necessarily wanting to come out of their homes, so they're, you know, they're out in this in the communities. They're doing things. They're, you know, they're interacting with other vets. So I think one of the sidebar benefits to that is, is you know, they they're relating with other veterans. But I think. What's being missed is, is again, that's a symptom. That's not the root cause. Sure. You know, and how do we get to, what is the next step of getting to that, you know, uh, root cause? Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of have some ideas, but I, I don't, you know, I, I think it's community-based. I, I really do. And I don't think it's community-based in the sense of going to a, a VFW necessarily or going to a American Legion but I do think it's community-based and saying, hey, listen, you know, we have a group of veterans in this community who um, just want to, we're here, you know, we're visible, we're available. Um, I really think that's phase one and making sure that people are aware. Because I can't tell you how many pe- people on Facebook that I see, you know, you kind of navigate the different sites, you know, you, that are just saying, hey, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, but I'm here. Right, and, and sometimes that's even good because you don't, you know, you don't, you don't have to have a relationship all the time. Yeah, it, 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 and it's true. And, and sometimes there's, sometimes that disconnect is comforting, right? Because if, um, you know, if if the, if you're talking to someone who's too close to you, maybe you feel vulnerable, right? You, you know, but if you're talking to someone who 
just has a commonality. Like you're both veterans, you both did this, you know, you both, you know, served here or whatever. Maybe that's just enough for you to feel comfortable with talking, but you're not, they're not like, they're not in your immediate network, so you don't have to worry about exposing too much to them, knowing that they're constantly going to be around, knowing this information. Because it's one of the problems, and this is one of the things that I'm learning through some of these interviews is, you know, there is, you know, once you attempt suicide and you admit to that, um, it sort of has the same stigma as rape does in the sense that when you walk into a room, you feel like you're that guy or you're that person. Right. You know, like the people are looking at you as that guy who committed or who tried to kill himself. And that's uncomfortable and that creates anxiety and that's something that people don't want to have to experience and so you withdraw yourself more and you become more isolated which obviously isn't healthy for you when you're experiencing this sort of behavior right i agree i agree i just you know whether it's attempts or actual you know completed suicides i mean i think i think people are just going back to your original comment i think people are scratching the surface on the sensitivities required in dealing with with like for a non veteran to try to uh, understand and in some cases even empathize with someone who uh, has attempted suicide uh, or knows someone that's completed suicide is a challenge i mean it, it really is uh, because there's no reference point there's no there, there's no uh, background information necessarily Right, and so it, it becomes a, a challenge, and you know, I've I've seen it in family members, I've seen it in spouses, I've seen it in children. You know, it's like they, you know, they they everybody wants to know why, you know, but it, it's it's hard uh, to to always explain that, you know, or sometimes you can't, you know, you just say, hey, you know, there's really no explanation. So sure. So in your Facebook message, you mess you mentioned that you've conducted military investigations into many suicides, um, and you've um, interviewed widows, mothers, fathers, friends, coworkers, whatnot. Um, I'm interested to know about your experience with talking to the widows, talking to the spouses that have lost. Sure. Um, and I don't know if this is something that came up in those interviews, but. Um, Aside from losing their spouse, and I'm sure obviously that's the focus, but aside from losing their spouse, what thing, what concerns did you notice them having? Well, I think without explaining the whole investigative process to you, I mean, I think you know, first and foremost, it's it's the same type of a feeling that you might expect, you know, someone who's you know, a non-veteran who might have lost a family member, right? They, sure. The, the same feeling of what now? What am I going to do? Uh, you know, the spouse in many cases uh, is in a place where uh, they may know very few people. Uh, there's not their traditional support structure of family members, uh, friends, or what, what have you. So it becomes an immediate need to provide uh, basic services, you know, uh, people, you know, uh, making sure that the, that the spouse and, and the military services, in my opinion, do a, a pretty good job at, at being there immediately, right, because they know um, that, that the spouse uh, 
is going to need basic things. Uh, that they're not as much uh, as the technological age is advanced with internet sites and chat rooms and things like that. There's just in some cases there's a disconnect yeah. for the spouses. So um, so primarily it's a it's a it's a needs assessment. It's what can we do for for to to reduce. Uh, some of the extraneous impacts, you know, food, water, shelter, kind of the basic uh, tenets there. Um, and then it kind of rolls uh, into information, you know. Uh, on the investigative side, there's not always a lot of information right, right up front. Um, and we always want to be very careful about uh, preliminary information because, Sometimes it's not always accurate. Yeah. Uh, so we don't we don't want to do anything to further the grieving process, but at the same time, we want to give as much information as we can. Uh, <clears throat> you know, to, to to when it when it makes the most sense. Right. Um. What, the reason why I ask is because one of the things that we sort of forget about, and um, you know we're so focused on like the suicides and like the veterans that are, that are taking their lives and everything, which obviously should be our focus, but we sort of, you know, um, there immediately becomes this gray area that we don't really think about within the immediate family that has to suffer through it. And one of the things that we, that is horrible, you know, is such a, you know, uh, part of the collateral damage is, you know, that spouse, um, especially if it's an active duty suicide, you know that spouse isn't getting SGLI um, because you know it doesn't pay pay out on suicides, and that spouse most likely doesn't have a career because they probably sacrificed it to be a part of that military subculture, and now they have sort of this um, back to square one um, professional issue that they have to deal with alongside of mourning the loss of their spouse. And if you think about how much that weighs on an entire family, like that's that's a lot. That I mean, the collateral damage on top of losing, you know, on top of someone taking their own life, the collateral damage within the community, the immediate family, everything is just so significant. And I think that if we even made that more obvious, I think we'd catch people's attention a little bit more on trying to resolve the issue rather than making rather than trying to create more awareness right and i and i really think it's you know the one good thing that's come about in in my opinion in recent years is you know there's the stigma of seeking behavioral health uh you know counseling or behavioral health treatment is is going down um, but along those lines, the education and recognition uh, by people like supervisors and neighbors and friends of, of symptoms is also going up, you know. And really, when you know when, when I've you know supervised people in the past, or I've I've dealt with colleagues, I said, you know, when you feel the hair on the back of your neck standing up. Or you find yourself asking a question, hey, something doesn't seem right here. The next logical step is action, is, is involvement. It's not, oh, that person will be okay. Because in many cases, 
you know, the action that you take may be, may save a life. You know, I mean, yeah. I guess my point is the symptoms are there for a reason. And, you know, uh, the message always needs to be, hey, listen, you know, if, you, if somebody, you know, is depressed or someone is showing signs of uh, not being engaged or, um, I mean, the, the list goes on and on, but, you know, asking, a, simply asking the person, hey, how are you doing? Now, I've noticed a change. I, I, I recognize that, you know, over the this period of time, you're not, you know, you're not necessarily yourself. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, it sounds simplistic and it sounds... No, you are absolutely right. Because one of the things that, um, you know, they teach you to say, you know, to, to intervene and like to ask someone, are you thinking about hurting yourself? No one wants to ask that. Because as soon as you start, as soon as you ask that question, you're implying that you think that person is thinking about that and capable of it. And it can create a lot of discomfort and awkwardness between those two people if that's not the case, right? If I ask you, are you thinking about hurting yourself and you're nowhere near that place in your life, it's sort of awkward. You know, it's sort of awkward for me to admit that I thought that that's something you were going through. And, you know, and, and when I say, you know, what, you know, that example is just basic across society, um, but it's, it's very easy to ask someone, you know, to tell someone, like, hey, are you, you just seem a little off today. Is everything okay? Um, and, you know, maybe repeating that question a couple times, a few times throughout the week if you notice that the, the, their behavior is still off. And then giving specific examples like, you know, hey, you're not, uh, you know, you're not, as, you're not as cheery in the morning as, as you typically are. Or, you know, I've. I've noticed that you're not laughing as often as, as we uh, we enjoy you doing and stuff like that. And making it obvious that not only are you noticing a difference in the re- behavior, but you also, you're concerned because, you know, you, you miss what they were. You miss the, the per you know, and that should, that starts with that empathy of that, like, you know, hey, I, I want, I'm, I'm concerned. Like, I want to understand what's going on. When you tell someone that you're here for them, tell them exactly how. Because everybody, we all say, I'm here for you. What, the, what does that mean? Right? But right. telling someone, like, you know, if someone opens up a little bit and be like, yeah, you know, whatever, just, you know, my relationship problems or money issues, whatever it may be, be like, hey, you know, specifically tell them, hey, I'm here to work, I, I'm here to help you work out a budget if you want to. Or I'm here to listen to your relationship problems if you want to. Or, you know, I'm here to talk about your, about your work if you want. And give them a specific reason why you're there for them. So that way when they're going through it, maybe it triggers in their mind like, oh, that person said when this is happening, I can talk to them. Because when you just tell someone I'm here for you, that's so vague and so cliche. I don't think it, I don't think it resonates the way it should. No, I agree. I mean, you know, as, as investigators, you know, oftentimes we become kind of a behavioral analysts by trade. And yeah. Really, one of the fundamental tenets of behavior is, you know, attitudes drive behavior. Right. It's not the other way around. Sometimes we get that concept reversed, but recognizing someone's change in attitude. Uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, on, on a given day, but over a period of time, uh, is an indicator. Uh, it may not be, an, it may or may not be an indicator of, you know, depression or you know the more severe side of the scale, but it's an indicator that something is happening with this individual. You know that may maybe they 
don't want to talk about or maybe uh you know that maybe they do you know and maybe they're 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 just waiting for that person to say you know what let's go take a walk or let's you know you want to go grab a bite to eat or yeah you know uh but i agree with you you can't always go at it hey man you know are you thinking about hurting yourself because really what does that mean exactly it doesn't because i don't and, and what i hate about it is we say hurting yourself because that's the gentler way of saying killing yourself right but it doesn't actually ask the right question because i'm not thinking about hurting myself you know like i don't i'm not thinking about punching myself in the face a couple times before i go to sleep you know that's not the problem and so we understand what you're communicating but it's still it's it's you're making the serious question a little more gent a little more gentle, um, and it, I don't think it's really communicate translating the same way, yeah. you know. And and I agree. Like telling telling people, you know, you know, if you want to go for you know want to go for a walk or something, and you know, people moving around gets them a little bit more talkative and more comfortable. Um, and and see, Corey, look at what we're doing right now. Look at how simple of a conversation we're having about about really practical ways that people can intervene, and. Yeah. Why isn't this the conversation? This why isn't this the conversation that's being had at the level of plugging a bunch of flags in the ground or CNN news reports or all this other crap? You know, like why isn't this the conversation we're having? Right, I, I, I think that that's that's phase two, and I think it's just going to be a matter of you know. Well, I'm entering phase two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There, there's rumblings of this going on in the veteran space right now, um, yeah. you know, because, but like I said earlier, it's happening in different venues, right? The, the, it's happening in, in these, uh, you know, these veteran initiatives where, you know, your f- veterans are formal, uh, formalizing relationships with other veterans. And what well, the offshoot of that is, is, hey, listen, you know, uh, like I mentioned, you know, with the Project Odyssey, I haven't felt that sense of calmness since I was back on active duty. Huh. You know, very, very simply. Yeah. Um, and so, but I really think the, the phase two is is educating, you know, people on on engagement, right? Like, how many people do you do you socialize with that might know your name and maybe they know about the project and that's really that's really all they know, right? They don't they don't interact with you in, on enough uh, frequency to know whether or not you are, you know, having a bad day or not. You know, we all have people like that in our lives who we they come and go, but there is the nucleus of people that we deal with, you know, on on enough frequency that they would in fact know exactly when we're when we're not, you know, in step. Yeah. So it's really doing exactly what you said and taking those people and offering basic engagement skills, you know, uh, engagement training um, on basic fundamental behavior, uh, behavioral type training and saying, listen, over a period of time, you know, whether it be a week or a few days, if your loved one, your veteran, your spouse, your children – uh, uh, are exhibiting A, B, and C, or you've noticed things changing about their behavior, maybe it's nothing. 
you know what? And we hope that it's nothing. We hope they're just having a, you know, a bad day. But the reality is, is maybe it's not. And what are you going to do? You know, when you, are you going to wait for something to happen? It's that whole action versus reaction. You know, uh, action's always faster, you know. Um, and then when you ask your, when you ask your loved one, your veteran, and they answer you, hey, I'm having a problem, then where do you go, right? Because yeah. there's a limit to what friends and family members can, can provide. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, what, what is that step? Um, and I think, I think the problem with, with maybe that step is, um, is we, there's so many, um, there's so many like organizations now popping up saying, you know, we want to help with fight invisible wounds. We want to help with PTSD. We want to connect veterans with resources they need. You know, but I still actually haven't heard anybody. I I still haven't heard anybody say we found this resource that works, or we found this organiz this organization that is succeeding with this. You know, and it, and it I don't. It, I'm sure it's happening, but I don't think there's enough promotion once these organizations are finding this success. Right. I think one of the things that I don't know how. how widely known this is, but uh, there's over 46,000 now, there's over 46,000 nonprofit agencies in the veteran space. Um, and I think what you're going to see over the next five years as we welcome back another million veterans into uh, you know our societies is you're going to start to see a leveling off of some of these uh, of some of these uh, nonprofits, meaning you know, relevancy is going to come into play. Um, you know, we hope as many of them stay around as, as possible, but the reality is, is that's probably not going to be the case. So, but to answer your question, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not an expert in any way, shape or form, but I don't know of, of anyone or any group that is solely focused on the root causes that we've talked about today. And that, and that is, you know, engagement, that is uh, active participation. You know, if you're a supervisor, that's, you know, there's a, you know, we don't want to go too far down the path, but there's a difference between be, between being a supervisor and a leader. Um, you know, it, it, it's really about, it's about that. I mean, I, I could go on and on about it, but that that is where it begins. I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, the legislation, the strategic policy, the framework that's being set um, is a must. Uh, but if you want to stop, you want to re- you want to reduce the number of 22 per day. Engagement, involvement, uh, and action uh, are, are the are the three tenets that are going to have to be followed. Yeah, I mean the bottom line, Tim, is that what you're doing and what you have done is. It's tough, right? Yeah. It, it, it's it, there's nothing uh, celebratory. There's nothing glamorous about doing those interviews. I, you know, I know I've done them. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is whether it's a two and a half minute message or whether it's a you know ten minute message, you know, I don't think you you make a wrong decision. It's just from from a 
you know, uh, construct perspective, what what makes the most sense? Is it, is it a 60-minute uh, show? Is it a, or not, I don't mean a show, but a, a package? Um, or is it, you know, do you want the message, the, the end result, kind of the marketing piece, do you want the message to be on the individuals giving the interviews, or do you want each of those 12 or 14 interviews contributing to the overall message of, hey, listen, you know, this is these people are giving you living proof of what they're going through and what they've gone through. The the message, I think each message just contributes to the overall message. Like, look, this this is real. You know, you can put flags or you know, I mean, you can do many things, but this is the reality. Like if you choose not to engage, if you choose not to be involved, there is a propensity that you could be one of these people on this video. Sure. Or on, or on, on this, not video, but this interview. Yeah. You know, and, and you don't, you don't want to, you're not trying to glamorize the interviews, but it's reality. And sometimes reality is best, you know, is the best advertisement, if you will. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. My, my thoughts. I, mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, but. You've experienced it in interviews. I've experienced it in interviews and autopsies and and you know anything investigatively that you know you can imagine. You know, standing there looking at a mother and father who, you know, less than twenty four hours ago their son was alive and now now he's not. You know, and they're looking for answers. They want to know, Mister Investigator, what happened. Yeah. I, my son was alive and well 24 hours ago. I talked to him on the phone, you know. And so it's I, – I have no doubt, regardless of format and how you roll it out, that it's it's going to be it's going to be massive. And, I mean, I'll do everything I can to help you promote it because I, I absolutely believe, believe in it. I really appreciate uh, Corey talking with me and uh, providing me the insight and the opinions that he did, I think it's, uh, it's a really great example of, um, you know, conversations I need to be having uh, within uh, the veteran community and, and otherwise. So, and, and something that, uh, you know, I really appreciate all the kind words that he provided about the, about the project and my efforts here. And uh, it truly means a lot to me that people are uh, behind this project and uh, looking for ways to be involved. So there's the interview for this week. I will be back on... Wednesday for my momentary reflections, and then again Friday for the Q&A. You can go to www.1toomany.com slash ask, O-N-E, the number two, manyproject.com slash ask, and you can ask a question there for me to use on the Q&A. Ask anything about, about veteran suicide, emotional and mental health, or just any issues inside the veteran space, and I uh, would love the opportunity to address Thank you for listening. I'll see you on Wednesday.